Well, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Looks like some of you had too much Thanksgiving, but that's another story. If you will, get your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. Now, I've shared with you before that I love the parables in the Bible. All the parables that were told because so many times we we read the parables, we read through them real quickly, but we don't get the gist of what it's really saying to us. And this is some of the most valuable nuggets of information you can possibly get. Matthew 25, verse 14 through 30. Now, I know that's a pretty lengthy passage to read, but uh, let's go ahead and do that. Would you stand with me as we honor the reading of God's Word? Matthew chapter 25, beginning in verse 14 and going through 30. For the kingdom of God, for, for the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country, who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received five talents went and traded with him and made another five talents. And likewise he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time the Lord of the servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five others, other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you rule over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew that you, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered, scattered seed. You, so you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at the, my coming I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who... <coughs> does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear God, we thank you, Lord, for this passage we've just read. And Lord, so many times we misunderstand what's being said here this morning. Just open our eyes and that we would be have clarity of your word and what you're trying to say to us as we look at this parable. Lord, it seems like you're a harsh taskmaster, but Lord, that's just the opposite of what's being said here. Open our eyes that we may truly see what you're saying to each one of us this morning. Go with us in Christ's name we pray. Amen. As you read that passage, as you come to the end of it especially, beginning in verse 29, it says, For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, that sounds pretty harsh when you read it on the outside there. But 
Jesus is saying something to us here that just it just is so valuable for us to understand. It uh, in this passage we just read. Let me let me share with you lyrics of a song. Some years ago, one of our country music uh, artists wrote a song. Daryl Worley wrote a song about meeting the girl of his dreams and and proposing to her. Here's some of the words. I'm not going to read you the whole song, but here's some of the words. Big brown eyes, soft red lips. I'm thinking I could get used to this. This could be the opportunity of a lifetime. My heart melts when you whisper my name. I've got a feeling that you're feeling the same. This could be the opportunity of a lifetime. We've got a chance at a real true love. We have to be crazy to pass it up. This could be the opportunity of a lifetime. Have you ever had an opportunity of a lifetime? Have you ever had something in your life that maybe now you look back and think, if I'd have only done that, I'd been a different place. Now, I've shared with you, to be honest with you, about playing baseball, and I loved, loved past tense, loved to play baseball. And I, was, I thought I was the next thing, the professional. And so I was going to take Johnny Bench's place. But after trying for a few years and not getting very far with it, I finally had a coach that he said something that just really made me sick. He says, Norman, your biggest problem is you just don't have the talent. Now, here I thought I was the greatest thing that ever happened in baseball, but he just was straightforward with me, and he says, you just don't have it. And so it just really hurt my feelings, but that was my opportunity of a lifetime. He just missed his calling, what happened. He just didn't give me a chance, but that's another thing. But anyway, probably most of us had opportunities at least, maybe not the opportunity of a lifetime as we hear it in so much, but it's... Perhaps it was an investment opportunity, perhaps a job opportunity, perhaps a place, a chance to go travel somewhere worldwide perhaps, or an opportunity to go somewhere, to meet someone, to do something that you felt you just couldn't pass this opportunity up. We've all probably been there to some degree or the other. At least we thought we could accomplish great things. Well, I believe we do have an opportunity of a lifetime this morning. Now listen closely. I believe we have an opportunity of a lifetime. Perhaps you don't look at that way, but I believe God gave us each one that's here this morning. He gave us life, and that's an opportunity to do something with it. God wants us to take that opportunity, no matter how old you are. Did you catch in this story that every one of these servants were left with a talent, were left with something, to see what they could do with it? They had the opportunity. We see two of them that turned it into more. Went back to his master, gave him, said, I've, you gave me ten, I've got, I've got twenty now, five, ten, whatever it was, I forget the number. But anyway, I did something with it. But did you catch that last one we looked at? He had been given just a small talent, but he went and hid it in the ground. And I think that's a picture of a lot of church people today. We look around and we see what's going on in our world Churches are going down in attendance badly. Uh, young people don't seem to want to come to church anymore. All these things are going on. It's just hard to get young couples anymore. And all these things are going on in our world. And I think that's the climate we live in has got a lot to do with it. But yet I believe it's also a lot of our fault in the church. I think a lot of times we've got to look at the mirror to see what God's telling us to do. I believe we all have a literal opportunity of a lifetime. It's called life itself. Every day is an opportunity of a lifetime. Did you realize 
that you do not have to, God does not have to strike you dead. All he has to do is stop giving you life. He doesn't have to do anything to you. But yet all he could do is hold back the breath. God could do anything he wants to. But did you catch in the story that every one of these guys had a talent at least? Every one of them. God had given them something. God had given them something to use, and he expects us to use it, whatever it is. You say, well, I'm not very talented. I don't have anything like that. Yes, you do. In fact, God's Word tells us that we're all blessed with certain gifts. Your gift may be to teach the young people. Your gift may be to teach the children. Your gift may be to work in the nursery. They're all gifts. And what God's saying through this parable is no matter what you give, no matter how small you think it is, I want you to use it for God's glory. And we can, everyone, do that. And when we begin using whatever it is for God's glory, guess what? God can make it magnified many times over. In fact, let me just share this with you. Every day is the opportunity of a lifetime. Your time on earth is an opportunity of the lifetime. Every one of us in our lifetime will be given opportunities to find God's will and do God's work. You say, well, wait a minute, you're speaking to a church. Of course that's where we're at. Not necessarily. Just because we say those words doesn't mean that's where we're at. Sometimes we have to be spurred on a little bit. Sometimes we have to come back and look at ourselves. We're all given opportunities to make an eternal difference in the lives of others. Now, this Thanksgiving and coming up Christmas season, we're all looking at, you know, you know helping people and reaching out to people, and, and that's all good. We need to do that. But yet, what are we doing with the opportunities that God's given us personally? Let's look at some things here as we look at it. We have been given opportunities to ma- uh, have been given abilities to match our opportunities so that we might exercise our responsibility to use those abilities to take advantage of those opportunities to glorify God. Did you see what these three guys in the story did? Each one of them were given a talent. Each one of them were given an ability. And all the master asked, and by the way, if you missed it, in the very first verse 14 we wrote, Jesus says, this is like the kingdom of God. And so this is what he's telling us. This is what we ought to be doing. Every time... We go out of this building, there's an opportunity to do something for God. It may be teaching children there. It may be doing the children's church. It may be doing the youth. It may be teaching an adult class for that matter. There's many things. But God's given every one of us an ability, a gift, if you will, to take that and make it something bigger. Not everybody has the gift of singing, perhaps, or playing an instrument. We don't always all have that gift. You know, I always wonder why I was just a one-talent person, and I hadn't figured out what the talent is yet. But anyway, I'm still trying. But it's we're all given a gift. But God says, I want you to use those gifts to grow the glory of God. And that's every single one of us. You say, well, wait a minute, I'm, I'm older than most people in here. He didn't say a word about age in this passage we just read. All he says, I want you to use your gift. To reach people for Jesus. And every single one of us, I don't care if it's 9 to 90, can still do that. 
there's always opportunities if we'll do it. Every day is an opportunity for li- of a lifetime. Use it or lose it is what this parable is all about. The guy that only had one, he went and dug a hole and hid it in the ground so he wouldn't lose any money on it. But what wound up happening? He lost it. I believe God's telling us, you've got something you can do. You say, well, I don't understand what that is. Well, God will show you if you'll seek, seek for it. You've got something. It may be teaching, teaching children. It may be in the nursery. It may be an adult class. It may just be participating in class to help the class go forward. But you've got something you can contribute. And if you don't do that, this parable tells us you either use it or you lose it. And that's pretty harsh. We don't like to hear that too much. According to Jesus, life is an opportunity that carries with it a responsibility to use your God-given abilities to glorify God. God's given you something. It may be to be a construction person around the church. We've got two or three guys that, you know, they build things. They fix things when they're broken. They take care of everything. I don't have that gift. Believe me, I don't have that gift. They would not want me with a hammer and nails in some room that they need to look good. It just, I mean, talk to my wife. She can tell you I don't have that gift. But it, there are people that need that because there's things to be done. And it doesn't matter where we're at, God's given you something you can use. And my question this morning is, are you using what God's given you? Are you putting it to use? What we have, we have received from God. Look at uh, the passage we just read, verses 14 and 15. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country, who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two talents, to another one. In eat to each, what's this? According to his own ability. They all got talents, but they just didn't all have the same abilities to do things. We come from different walks of life. Sometimes we don't have the ability we need to do certain things. But God still allows each one of us to be a part of his kingdom and serve in that kingdom. It doesn't matter what it is. He gave to each one according to his ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Notice that every man in this parable was given gifts. Every one of them. One man was given five talents. One man two. One man one. But every man had at least one talent. So everyone had been given gifts equally. And they were to be used by the, for the master. Jesus. Everyone. My Bible tells me that when you were saved, you were given a gift of the Spirit, every one of us. Are you using that gift? Well, I don't know what it is. Have you tried to find out? Have you tried to seek and, okay, God, what's my gift? I don't think it's teaching. I don't think it's singing. I don't think it's doing this, doing anything. But we've all got a talent. And what God is telling us, find out what that talent is in your life. Now, what is a talent? What do you enjoy doing? That probably is your talent, at least in line with it. And when we find out what we enjoy doing, all of a sudden we begin to put it to use. Maybe it's teaching class. Maybe it's singing the choir. Maybe it's singing solos. Maybe it's playing an instrument. There could be 
hundreds of talents in a group this size. What are we doing with it? Is God using our talents? Are we letting it waste away? Again, notice that every man in this parable had been given at least a gift. So they were all treated fairly. One man was given five, another man two, one man one, but every man had at least one talent, one gift. So everybody had been given talents equally, and they were all given by the same person, the master. God gives us all gifts. Your gift is not the same as mine. My gift is not the same as yours. They may overlap sometimes. But God has said that he gives every one of us, every Christian, a gift of something they can do for the kingdom of God. Now, we may have to grow into that. We have to learn what it is and so forth. But he still gives them to us. Let me stop and make sure you hear what Jesus is saying because this is very important. Every one of these talents were important because they were given by the Master. Every one of them. It doesn't matter how small you think your talent may be. God gave it to you, so it's important. Every gift of God is important because it is a gift of God. No matter what it is, God gave you something that separates you, and you've got a gift. There takes there's some people that have the gift of meeting strangers. When they walk into our doors, they greet them, and they meet them, and they welcome them, and that makes a difference. Not all of us can do that. We're not all blessed in that area. Now, we can all talk to people, but yet to make them feel special as they walk in the doors. Not everybody can do construction. Not everybody can do certain things. But notice every one of them was given a talent by the Master. God gave them something that they could do. And I think that still applies to each one of us today. What makes you and your abilities and your gifts so special is not that you're good at it, but that God gave it to you. And he gave it to you for the purpose of using it in his kingdom. Even though everyone in this parable had been given talents, they didn't all have equal talents. Did you catch that? One had five, one had two, one had one. They were not all equal. Guess what? I can, all my life, I can desire to be the next Billy Graham, but God didn't give me that talent. He just didn't. I mean, I'm just, you know, I guess the baseball, I figured out real quick, I wasn't as good as I thought I was. Lord, help us. <laughs> Verse 15 tells us that these talents were given to each according to his own ability. We all have different abilities. God gives us different talents, different gifts to different people according to different abilities. He knows you better than you know yourself. And so he gave you whatever he gave you because he knows that fits you better than anybody else in this room. Now, some may be, have the same talent in this room. Even though the talents in the parable were monetary measurements, when you read the entire parable, you realize that talents represent opportunities to use our God-given abilities for God's glory. Don't miss the fact that the amount of the talent was, is really irrelevant. That's not the point of the story. We get hung up on that part. Well, this one, it didn't seem fair. He got five, and this one got two, and this one got one. That's not fair. They should have all been given the same amount. That's our thinking. But that's not the way God thinks. God knew who would take it and turn in the most. God knew how he would develop it. And he also knew who would take the one 
and do so little with. Don't miss the fact that the amount of the talent is really irrelevant in the story. We get hung up on that when we read this parable, but that's not what it's about. It's about you and I. You're going to see that the master in the story expected as much from the one-talent man as he did from the five-talent man. Because it's not about the monetary value of it. But he expected no more from the five-talent man than he did from the one-talent man. He expected us to take it and use it. And we've got everyone in this room has a talent that you can use for God. Are you using it? Hopefully by the time it says, you'll be ready to use it. It's not how much you have that matters to God. It's what you do with what you have that matters to God. God doesn't say you've got to be the most outgoing personality in the church. But God says if you'll use your outgoing personality, I will take it and make something out of it. See, it's not about us, folks. And that's why I say that sometimes we read these parables and they're so simple in our minds, but we miss what God's saying to us. Because we've got in our minds what's supposed to happen. If I do this, then this is going to happen. That's not God's mathematics. Math- mathematics. It wasn't funny, was it? I just got tongue tied, all it was. <laughs> Tell you what. I'm going to start using my gifts now. Each man had been given ability. He had been given an opportunity, a responsibility to take the opportunity and use the ability that God gave him. And that applies to every single one of us. God's given you something. I don't know what it is. You probably do. You know what you're best at, what you can do best. And God says, okay, now how are you going to use that? How are you going to put that to use outside these walls because it doesn't matter in here we love each other out there they don't love you as much so how are we going to take that gift that you've got and transfer it from out inside here to outside the doors the second thing we notice what we have received from god should be rendered to god in order to understand this parable you need to understand the symbolisms if you will it's obvious in the story that the master represents of course the Lord Jesus Christ. That's who, that's who the master is. The servants obviously represent Christians, you and I. The truth of this parable is, and here it is, the Lord has called every Christian to be a servant. And God has gifted every servant and given every servant the ability to use that gift for his glory. Do you agree with that? Let me read it again. The Lord has called every Christian Every one of us, doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are. If you're a Christian, God's called you to be a servant. God has gifted every servant and given every servant the ability to use that gift for his service. I remember a summer before last, I believe it was, it was real hot there in the summertime, and Dan called me one day and he says, hey, you think it'd be all right to, uh, so we have people walking by. Remember, that's when they was doing Pokemon. Everybody was chasing this little Pokemon. I never saw him myself, but he was around here because people kept looking for him. But it's uh, they were doing that, and Dan called me one day and says, Hey, you think it would be all right if I set up a booth out there and have some ice water and just when people come up here doing this craziness, give them a glass of water? I said, Well, sure, if you want to sit out in the 
I was really thinking, if you want to sit out in the heat 105 degrees, you're crazy, go ahead and do it. I mean, <laughs> but he did. And he talked to quite a few people. But think about that. Isn't that exactly what God said to use? A glass of water. But yet, we don't know how many people that might have reached. They may never darken this door. Yet, what if they start thinking about that and they go to another church and become a Christian? Or maybe begin to think that God used that to turn me around. We don't know how many people do. It may just be that there, that two or three people that came by one day turned around and went to other people and told them that. But there may have been 50 people, for all we know, came to Christ because Dan gave him a glass of water. We don't know what the results will be. Just like we don't know the children's church is back there right now. There may be the next Billy Graham for real sitting back in that class. Or the next Lottie Moon for that matter. We don't know what people grow up to be. But we do know if they use their gifts, God's going to bless it. Render to God what is God's. He gave it to you. If you've received it from God, you should render it to God. Every ability is at the same time an opportunity. Every opportunity carries with it a responsibility. That responsibility is to seize that opportunity, to use that ability, and make the ability count for not you or me, make it count for God. See, when we start looking at things the way God looks at them, this passage, this parable as we call it, all of a sudden we begin to see ourselves in this parable. Your abilities and talents are just like money. They're to be invested. That's why the story goes on to say in verses 16 through 18, Then he who had received five talents and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who received two gained two more also. But he who received one went and dug, it, dug in the ground and hid it, hid his Lord's money. Remember who the Lord is. It's the Lord. It's not your boss. It's the Lord. And God says, I gave you a talent. Why aren't you using it? Why aren't you applying it? Why aren't you doing something with it? Every one of those servants was expected by the master to maximize the value of the gifts and the talents that you've been given. Every one of them. And I believe God still expects us today. If you've got a talent, God expects you to use it. I don't know what it is. Well, then you can find out. It's pretty easy. What do you enjoy doing? Oh, I enjoy just sitting around kids and talking to them, telling them Bible stories. Then that's your talent. I enjoy singing the choir and just my voice just, I couldn't sing a special or a solo, but I just enjoy singing the choir and, and adding to it and making it a little bit better in the alto part or the tenor part or whatever it may be. That's your talent. You see, it doesn't matter what it is if we use it to glorify God. Let's move on. I'm going to tell you something that may shock you this morning. The Lord wants His disciples to be ambitious. You think you agree with that? The Lord wants His disciples, that's us, to be ambitious. Now, ambition has become, in our world today, a, almost a dirty word. But there's nothing wrong with ambition if it's channeled in the right direction, with the right focus, with the right purpose. The word ambition comes from a Latin word, ambitio, which means literally to go around. It's true you only go around once in life. That's true. 
you don't get a second chance. It refers to the fact that life is to be a movement around the opportunities that God gives us. That's where ambition comes from. Ambition's not a bad word. We all need ambition in our personal lives, in our family lives, in our home lives, our church lives. We need to be ambitious and find ways to reach out, just like Dan. Find a way that's unusual. Just sit down in the parking lot and give water. Now, who would think about that? I sure didn't. Of course, I also didn't want to sit out in 110 degree either, so it just that's my just personal request. But anyway, it refers to the fact that life is to be a movement of opportunities for God. God gives you in order to achieve His glory and His honor. There's a great saying I heard some years ago, and it sums it up perfectly. We ought to expect great things from God, and we ought to attempt great things for God. Do we do that? We ought to attempt great things for God, but we also ought to attempt. We ought to expect great things from God, but yet we also ought to attempt great things for God. Let me once again tell you what success is. This is not my definition, but I like it. Success when you simply exercise your responsibility to take advantage of every opportunity, use whatever ability God has given you to use it and use it for His glory and His honor. That's what success is. You see, in this story, there are only two kinds of servants. There's the faithful servants and there's the unfaithful servants. To be more blunt, there are only two kinds of servants in this parable, faithful and foolish. Likewise, you're one of two kinds of servants in God's kingdom. Either you're a faithful servant or you're a foolish servant, according to this parable. You're either doing something for God or you're doing nothing for God. The choice is yours. Just because you may not be as talented and as gifted as someone else, does not mean you should not give your very best. I've told you before that one of my favorite characters in life was John Wooden. Y'all know who John Wooden is? Basketball coach from years ago. He died a few years ago, I think at 98 years old. But uh, at one time, he held the most national championships of any basketball coach in history. I guess that's still true. I'm not, I don't know if it is or not. But anyway, he died a few years ago, about, probably about 10 years ago now. Anyway, it's... Uh, he was the former head basketball coach at UCLA, and like I said, he had won more national championships than any other basketball coach in history. From an early age, John Wooden, his father, taught him one basic principle. Here's what it was. Don't whine, don't complain, don't make excuses. Just do the best you can. If you've ever lived close to Indiana, and I've not ever lived up there and don't intend to. I'm Texas through and through. But up there, that high school basketball is about like high school football down here. Probably bigger, in fact, because that's just that's everything up there. Basketball, that's the, uh, the sport. And the state tournament is the biggest event of the year. In Coach Wooden's senior year in high school, and this is many years ago, of course. He, like I say, he died a few years ago at 90, 98, I believe it was. His senior year of high school, his team lost the state championship by one single point. Coach Wooden was the only member of the team who didn't cry after the loss. The reason was because even though he was disappointed, like the rest of the guys, he knew he had done exactly what his father had told him. He had done the best he could do. 
Folks, there's no shame in getting defeated if you give it your best. Our coach, his name's Jesus Christ, is expecting us to do our best in everything we do. Everything. As a church, as Christians, as we walk outside this building, he's expecting us to give it all, give everything we've got for the cause of Christ. When John Wooten got home from the loss, his father put his arm around him and said, Johnny, I want you to remember something. And he told him this little poem. I just had to write it down. You're going to be better than some. Some are going to be better than you. But you should never expect the, excuse me, you should never accept the fact that you didn't make the effort to do the best that you could do. No wonder he succeeded so much. That's what God calls us to do, to do our best, to use whatever gift he's given us all for his glory. That's all he's expecting of us. He doesn't expect us to build a church that runs 5,000 strong. But he expects us to give our best in everything we do. Lastly, what we render to God will be rewarded by God. Look at verses 19 through 23. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you rule over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents beside them. He said, His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Now, hopefully, you'll understand what the real test of talents was all about. It is not what gifts you're given or how many gifts you're given, but what you do with the gift that God gave you. Now, think about that a moment. It doesn't matter what you've been given or how much you've been given, but what are you doing with God, what God gave you today? Are you using it for His glory? Watch this. Let's go a little farther. That's why both the five-talent man and the two-talent man received exactly the same reward. It didn't matter who started with the most talents. It simply mattered what each did with the talents they had. It's not what you have. It's what you do with what you have that counts with God. And every one of us can do something for God. Strangely, the emphasis of this parable is not on the faithful servants. Did you catch that? It's on the unfaithful servant. That's what this parable really boils down to. Then he who received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. This man buried his talent. Buried it. He didn't even put it in the bank. He didn't have to. He couldn't even draw interest off of it. You say, "Well, wait a minute. They didn't have banks like we do today." Well, that's not exactly true. Do you know they have something similar to ours? The ancient Roman Empire had a banking system that was, in many respects, like those banks today, and the interest earned on deposits was about six percent. 
Well, that's pretty good interest today anyway. I mean, this man could have simply, by going to one of those Roman banks, made 6% of his money and give that back to his master. You may think that's foolish, but i got news for you. You know what I see when I look out at a lot of Christian people today all over? I see buried talent everywhere. Buried talents. You say, but I can't sing. I can't sing in a choir. I can't teach a class. Then what is your talent? Watch what happens. Well done, faithful servant, he said to the other two. Well, I understand. I want you to understand something. There's no excuse for not serving God, period. I don't care who you are. You say, but you don't understand my sickness. No, I don't. But I didn't write this. God did. And he does understand it. It may just be call somebody on the phone. It may be somebody on your mind that's going through hard times, and you just call them and, hey, can I pray with you? It may be somebody in our church that's been sick and can't attend, whatever, you know, many different things. Are you using your talent for God? Let's go on, verse 26 and 27. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I, was, I, that I reap what I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Therefore, you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. You see what God's saying to us? You know, we look at that one guy and we think, well, boy, he was a foolish guy. No, he wasn't. He's just like we are because we do the same things. God's given you some kind of gift. He's given you ability. He's given you something. I don't know what it is, and we're not using it. We're doing exactly what that servant did, and he called him a wicked and lazy servant. I wonder how many people in our churches across this city today, right now, God's looking down at and saying, you're so lazy. Why don't you do something? You say, well, that's personal. Yeah, it is. It's real personal, in fact. And guess what? As he looks at each one of you, he's looking at me too. And I look back and wonder why I've been so lazy sometimes and didn't do what I knew God had told me to do. Well, I just, I don't want to go visit that person. You know, the last time I saw him, we got in an argument, and I just don't want to have to deal with that. Maybe that's exactly who God wants you to go see. Maybe there's somebody on your list of members that he's put on your heart that hadn't been here in a while. Maybe he's saying, why don't you pick up the phone and call them, invite them. I mentioned a while ago we've got uh, next Saturday a funeral. Oh, funeral, my goodness. <laughs> a wedding, <laughs> not a funeral, a wedding here. This uh, couple had called me here about, about a month or so ago and asked if I do weddings outside the church. I said, well, sure, I do weddings anywhere. But anyway, but it's uh, so anyway, they come over and we talk for about an hour or so and uh, just enjoyable couple. And uh, they ask if I'd do their wedding and so forth. They next Saturday set up for that and so forth. And it's just a small wedding. Uh, they live here in town, both of them. He's retired military and uh, former military. Well, he's retired military. How do, you, how do you call it? Anyway, like you guys, a lot of you. Anyway, it's uh, so they come by and. Last night we sort of had a little rehearsal here at the church and walked through, you know, what we're going to do. And, I mean, just typical stuff. And at the end of it, uh, we started walking out. And I said, well, let me ask you. My name's Tom and uh, Kim. As we started walking out, I said, well, where do you all go to church at? 
They said, well, we used to go to church and clean, but I uh, said, to be honest with you, it just, it just wasn't what we needed. And I said, well, why don't you all come visit us? And he said, well, we've been talking about this since we met you. And, of course, that, you know, sure what it had to be when they met me. They just automatically just, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But anyway, so we walked up the door. And <laughs> See what I mean? We got some wicked people in this church. <laughs> anyway, it's we were talking about it last night, and I said, why don't you all come to church with us? Just visit one time. And they said, tell you what we'll do. Next Sunday, after the wedding on Saturday night, we're going to come to church. Now, I thought, yeah, right. That, that was my first thoughts. And so we're going to wait and see. I mean, I hope they do because they're a joyful couple. You'll love them to death. And it, but they're going to be married here Saturday night, uh, 6 o'clock, just a small little wedding, just basically family and friend, you know, close friends. But yet, just think, maybe that one thing that we, we allowed them to rent the church and have a wedding. That may have changed their life. I don't know. But I know this. God gives us opportunities if we'll be awake for Him and watch for Him and see what He wants to do. Let's close up real quick. The great reward in all of us is just to simply hear the Master say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. It all leads to ask everyone who claimed to Christ as your Lord and Savior. I want to ask this question this morning. You're here this morning. God said He gave you a talent. God said He gave you a gift. God said He wants you to use that gift. Did God make a good investment in you? Now think about that. Did Christ dying on the cross really make a good investment in you? How much have you invested back into Him? You see, it gets personal sometimes. It has to get our attention to see what's this really all about? What if I decide I was going to deposit $1,000 a year into a savings account? And at the end of 10 years, I went to collect my money, and all that was in there was $10,000. I'd be upset. I'd go to that banker and say, wait a minute, I deposited this money so you could invest it and make money off of it. How would you feel when you asked the banker, what happened? And he told you, well, says, I didn't, I knew you're a pretty hard guy, so I didn't want to take chances with your money, so I just left it in the bank. You think you'd be upset? Of course you would. Can you imagine what Jesus feels like, that he's invested so much in you, and yet it hadn't paid the interest yet? You'd be livid, probably. But how do you think God feels when he invests in us gifts, talents, abilities, straight from his hand? And then you fail to use them for His glory. You see, as long as you live, God wants you to be faithful with what you have and be faithful with where you are. I'll never forget when I first went into ministry, and first church I was at, I've shared with you four, first Sunday, Judy and I, my family, our four of us were at that church. Total attendance was 13. And the four of them was mine. <laughs> the four of them was our family. And I remember talking to a friend of mine, and he says, man, that little church, they just need to close up. It's been dead for a long time. And I thought, no, you're not right. 
And let me tell you, now, please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. We didn't do anything. God did it through us. But we watched that little church in three years, three and a half years, go from 13 people to running every week about 120 in that little church. Not because we were there, but because God was there. And you know what changed it? I saw that little church, all nine of them, because four of them was our family. We're sitting over here in the front row. One morning they got together and said, we're going to have a prayer meeting before church is dismissed. When I finished, we stepped down. Judy and I sitting over in this area. That entire church body, all nine of them, got down and began to pray. Said, God, we can't afford to go down any lower. We need to go up. And they began to have a burden for people that they had known all their lives. They never invited them to church. And that little church grew. We were running about 120 in three and a half years, a little over three years. Not because of us, but because God got a hold of some people and says, we can't go down any farther. We'll be out of business. I myself told one of the men, probably what y'all need to do is just close that place down and use, put hay in it and store it. That was me saying that. Now, I didn't want him to tell anybody, but it, I did because it was a dead church. But it doesn't matter how dead we think we are. As long as God's got a spark, he can light a fire. How far can we go down? God light a spark in us. I'm going to read you a poem, and it basically talks about that real quick. He who is faithful in a little will be faithful in that which is much. Father, where shall I work today? And my love flowed warm and free. He pointed out a tiny little spot and said, Tend that place for me. I answered him quickly, Oh, no, not that. Why, no one would ever see. No matter how well my work was done, not that little place for me. The word he spoke then wasn't stern. He answered me tenderly. Nazareth was a little place, and so was Calvary. It's not about how small our church is. It's about how big our God is. Let's have a stand and have a word of prayer. Dear God, we thank you, Lord, for this time you've given us. We come to the end of the service this morning, Lord, thanking you for the glory of being here, the joy of being here. And, Lord, yes, we're all concerned about our, our church. And, Lord, I just pray that you would light a fire in each one of us, that we would begin to see what you want to do in this crowd, that you'll begin to turn us. And, Lord, light a fire in each one of us, that our prayer life will be sincere, our talking life as we go out of these doors will be sincere. And, Lord, they'll begin to see Jesus the way we see him. And, Lord, we look forward to what you're going to do in our midst. Lord, burn in us a passion to reach men and women for Christ, boys and girls, kids, that they'll begin to see the passion that you have for this church. That, Lord, we begin to see what you want us to be, to use our talents according to what you've given us. Oh, God, don't let us misuse them. All these things we ask in Christ's name. Amen.